We'll start with a, a real quick review. Remember that a type is a person, a thing, or an action that actually exists, but it's also intended by God to prefigure or foreshadow a future person, action, or thing. Last week we took a look at a type of the Antichrist, the Emperor Nero. Before we get going today, let me just clear up two points of confusion. First off, Nero is not actually coming back as the Antichrist the end of the world. It was a myth that sprang up in the early days since people thought he was so much like the Antichrist that he himself must be coming back. But he's not coming back, he's dead, and he's gone on to his reward, whatever that might be. Okay, number two is St. Clement's, not the third pope. He's a third pope after St. Peter. And just when I was speaking ad lib, I said third pope. He's a third pope after St. Peter. Okay. Today, we'll take a quick look at a type of the end of the world. Why would we want to study the particular event? Because the clearer we see the foreshadowings, the clearer idea it gives us of the actual future reality they point towards, okay? But even after we're done today, the very best we can hope for is to remain in a more luminous darkness, since prophecy is only completely understood after it's been fulfilled. Besides that, I'm only picking out a few things that strike me to be more important to emphasize in a short sermon, but in light eternity, they may not be that important. Okay, so we'll look at a type of the end of the world, the destruction of Jerusalem the Temple by legions of Vespasian Titus in the year 70 AD. Our Lord warned his disciples about these events. Luke 21:20, following. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed about with an army, then know that the desolation thereof is at hand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Close quote. Our Lord loves his sheep, so he's given a warning to those who believe in him to flee when they saw Jerusalem surrounded by an army. So what happened? In the fall of 66 A.D., the Roman legions under Cestius attacked Jerusalem. They successfully undermined the walls, and they prepared to burn the temple. And then, with absolutely no reason at all, they suddenly retreated. Those who believed in our Lord, the Catholics, knew what that meant. And they fled. They left Jerusalem. Those who didn't believe in the Lord, the men and sons of the men who had cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. His blood be upon us and upon our children. Those men stayed in Jerusalem. Today we'll rely largely on eyewitness account of a Jewish historian, Josephus, the son of a Jewish priest, not a Catholic priest, a Pharisee who was born in the year 37 A.D. And as usual, we'll cut and paste quotes for the sake of time. Luke 21:25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Josephus. A prodigious storm broke out in the night with utmost violence and very strong winds, with the largest showers of rain, with continual lightnings, terrible thunderings, and amazing concussions and bellowings of the earth. These things were a manifest indication that some destruction was coming upon men when the system of the world was put into this disorder, and anyone would guess that these wonders foreshadowed some grand calamities that were coming. The people did not attend nor give credit to the signs that were so evident it did so plainly foretell their future destruction. But like men without eyes to see or minds to consider, did not regard the warnings that God made to them. Thus there was a star resembling a sword which stood over the city and a comet that continued a whole year. 
And a few days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, an incredible phenomenon appeared. Before sunset, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds. Close quote. But that's not all. Josephus records other signs and portents besides those seen in the heavens. At the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, as the high priest led a heifer to be sacrificed, right in the midst of the temple, she brought forth a lamb. At the same feast, at the eastern gate of the inner court of the temple, which was of brass and vastly heavy, and was with difficulty shut by twenty men, was seen to be opened of its own accord about the sixth hour of the night. This appeared to the common men to be a very happy marvel, as if God did thereby open to them the gate of happiness. But the men of learning understood it, that the security of their holy house was dissolved of its own accord, and that the gate was opened for the advantage of their enemies. And they publicly declared that this signal foreshadowed the desolation that was coming upon them. There was one Joshua, the son of Ananus, who four years before the war began, and at a time when the city was in very great peace and prosperity, suddenly began to cry aloud, a voice from the east, a voice from the west, a voice from the four winds, a voice against Jerusalem and the holy house, a voice against the bridegrooms and the brides, a voice against this whole people. This was his cry as he went around by day and night in all the lanes of the city. Certain leaders gave him a great number of severe stripes, but he still went on with the same words which he cried out before. Then our rulers brought him to the Roman procurator, where he was whipped until his bones laid bare. Yet he did not shed any tears, but at every stroke of the whip his answer was, Woe, woe to Jerusalem. When the procurator asked him who he was and where he came from, and why he uttered such words, he made no manner of reply, but still did not leave off his cries of woe. So the procurator took him to be a madman and dismissed him. This cry of his was the loudest at the festivals, and he continued this duty for seven years and five months without growing hoarse. During the siege, he finally ceased his cry, for as he was going around upon the wall, he cried out with his utmost force, Woe, woe to the city again, and to the people, and to the holy house. And just as he added at the last, Woe, woe to myself also, there came a stone out of one of the siege engines and smote him and killed him immediately." Close quote. So there are many signs and portents. In April of 70 AD, Titus leads his legions to Jerusalem and camps around the city. Instead of just trying to starve the Jews out, he decides to attack. He starts by having the troops clear the ground that leads to the outermost wall. Meanwhile, inside the city, Three different factions of the Jews have been fighting. One of the factions is made up of murderers who wear women's clothing and roam about from the temple out to the streets. One faction is occupying the temple itself and has taken upon themselves to appoint high priests by ordaining wicked men. And one faction is a gang of thugs and foreigners that were led into the city. Josephus. The factions fought against each other while they trod upon the dead bodies as they lay heaped one upon another. They agreed in nothing but this, to kill those that were innocent. Close quote. During the battles, these madmen actually burned up their food stores, massive amounts of grain and other provisions that were meant specifically to carry the city through a great siege or disaster such as befalling them. 
At dawn on May 10th, the Romans began their assault. Giant siege engines, they're throwing huge spears and stones. They have battering rams hammering against the wall. They have troops that hold shields. They have this thing called a tortoise in English, where they're all holding their shields together, locked together so they can go up the wall, and they have guys trying to mine under the wall while this is going on, even though people are trying to throw things on them from above. The rams are hammering the wall day and night. Jews are lowering sacks full of stuffing to try to soften the blows. The Romans are reaching out from under their cover with long knives on, on the end of poles and cutting the sacks free. The Jews are sallying outside the walls. It's just pure chaos at the walls. What's going on inside? The factions keep right on fighting each other in the temple and in the streets. And famine is breaking out. Josephus. The temple was defiled everywhere with murders. And the darts that were thrown by the engines came with that force that they went over all the buildings and reached as far as the altar and the temple itself and fell upon the priests and the Levites. Insomuch that in any persons who came thither with great zeal from the ends of the earth to offer sacrifices at this celebrated place, which was esteemed holy by all mankind, fell down before their own sacrifices themselves and sprinkled that altar which was venerable among all men with their own blood. To the dead bodies of strangers were mingled together with those of their own country and those of profane persons with those of the priests, and the blood of all sorts of dead carcasses stood in lakes in the holy courts themselves. Close quote. On May 25th, the walls breached in three places, and the legionaries swarm inside and open the gate, and they occupy the space between the first wall and the second wall. The second wall is much thicker and higher than the first wall, but they bring in the rams and they begin hammering a tower built into this wall day and night, night and day. In late May, the tower finally collapses and brings down part of the wall that's attached to it. At this point, the Jews retreat inside their third wall. Titus sends Josephus up to promise the Jews honorable terms if they just surrender. In response, the leaders of the Jews promise to kill anyone who attempts to surrender. So the Romans completely destroy everything between the second and third walls and retreat. Inside the city, the famine is growing worse and worse. It's growing so bad, the Jews begin to sally out trying to find food, and the Romans capture them. The Romans, Romans crucify so many Jews, they run out of places to wreck the crosses, and they run out of wood to make the crosses. Josephus. Every day the Romans caught 500 Jews, nay, some days they caught more. The soldiers, out of the wrath and hatred they bore the Jews, nailed those they caught, one after one way, and another after another, to the crosses by way of jest. Their multitude was so great that room was wanting for the crosses, and crosses wanting for the bodies. Close quote. Luke 19, 41 and following. And seeing the city, Jesus wept over it, saying, They shall come upon thee, and thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and surround thee, and hem thee in on every side, and beat thee flat to thy ground and thy children who are in thee. And they shall not leave in thee a stone upon a stone, because thou hast not known the time of thy visitation. Close quote. In early June, Titus decides to protect his lines and seal it in the Jews. So he orders a wall with a trench to be built around the entire city. This wall is almost five miles long with 13 forts, and the legions built it in three days. Inside the city, the starvation and combat only intensify. Josephus. They gaped in hunger, stumbling and staggering along like mad dogs, and reeling against the doors of the houses, chewing everything, shoes, 
the leather of their shields, wisps of old hay. Close quote. On July 17th, the daily sacrifice in the temple ended, just exactly as predicted some 600 years before by the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. And Christ shall be slain, and the people that deny him shall not be his. And a people with their leader that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be waste. And after the end of the war, the point of desolation, and the victim and the sacrifice shall fall. Close quote. Legions then concentrated on the wall of the Antonia Fortress. The fortress is right next to the temple. In fact, it opened right up onto the court of the Gentiles. Finally, in the dead of the night, the wall was climbed by 16 Romans, who sounded the trumpet, and then Titus and other commanders followed up behind them. The Jews fled into the temple, and a terrible battle began, which landed, lasted until the next afternoon. Titus once more had Josephus beg the Jews to surrender, as he, a pagan, did not want to fight in their holy place. But the leaders of the Jews would have nothing of it. Josephus. Now round about the altar lay dead bodies heaped one upon another, as at the steps going up to it ran a great quantity of their blood, whether also the dead bodies that were slain above on the altar fell down. Close quote. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Close quote. The false prophets add to the confusion. Josephus. Now there was then a great number of false prophets who told the people that they should wait for deliverance from God, nor did any one of them escape with his life. A false prophet was an occasion of these people's destruction who had made a public proclamation in the city that very day that God commanded them to get up upon the temple and that there they should receive miraculous signs of their deliverance. Close quote. Titus had the gates of the temple burnt, and during the fighting on the 9th of Av on the Jewish calendar, August 6th, 70 A.D., a Roman legionary sent fire to the temple itself and burned it down. It's the exact anniversary of the burning of the first temple, the Temple of Solomon, by the Babylonians. Now keep in mind to understand this next part, as ancient Christian author Tertullian explains, the religion of the Roman legions is a worship of the standards setting the standards above all gods. So they're marching behind the standards, and there's a pagan god on their standards, and they're worshiping these different pagan gods on their standards. Okay, now we'll be able to understand the terrible prophecy of our Lord. Matthew chapter 24. You shall see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Josephus. The Romans, upon the burning of the holy house itself, brought their standards to the temple and set them over against its eastern gate, and there do they offer sacrifices to them, close quote. So they have pagan worship and pagan sacrifice in the holy place. The battle for the city continued, Luke 21, 23 and following. There shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captives into all nations. Josephus, the Romans ran everyone through whom they met with and obstructed the very lanes with their dead bodies and made the whole city run down with blood to such a degree indeed that the fire of many of the houses was quenched with these men's blood. Now think about that. That's a parenthetical remark. To put out a house fire, there's so much blood, it's putting out house fires. And indeed, the multitude of carcasses that laid in heaps one upon another was a horrible sight, and it produced a pestilential stench. For the crowd did nowhere appear visible for the dead bodies that lay upon it. 
Luke 19.43, and they shall not leave in thee a stone upon a stone. Titus ordered the entire city raised to the ground, except for the three large towers at the northwest corner. The Wailing Wall is foundation. It is not the temple. It's part of the foundation. Everything, it came true. There isn't a stone on a stone. Josephus estimates the body count at 1.1 million Jews killed and 97,000 taken prisoner. And this is fairly accurate because he knew the exact number coming up for the Passover by the number of lambs they had for sacrifice. So 1.1 million Jews killed, 97,000 taken prisoner. The 10th legion was quartered in the ruins of Jerusalem. Titus holds a triumphal procession in Rome in which he displays, among other things, the, the golden candlestick to, from the temple. The Arch of Titus, which is in Rome, was built to commemorate this triumph. It's still standing. And on it, we can see pictures of the booty they took out of the temple and brought back from Jerusalem. Josephus. Never did any other age ever breed a generation more fruitful in wickedness than this was from the beginning of the world. They were the slaves, the scum, and the spurious and abortive offspring of our nation, and did almost draw that fire upon the temple. Had the Romans made any longer delay in coming against these villains, the city would have been swallowed up by the ground opening up upon them. Close quote. Now there's a lot here worth meditating on. Most of it's pretty obvious if we keep the historical context in mind and the types. In terms of types, among other things, the Jewish people prefigure the Catholic people. The Jewish priests prefigure the Catholic priests. The Jewish temple prefigures the Catholic church and parishes. And the city of Jerusalem prefigures the world. In terms of the historical context, even though at that time they had the true religion, not in 70 AD anymore, but coming up to it. And even though they knew who Christ our Lord was, they'd rejected him. Not just rejected him, but handed him over to be crucified. They persecuted his followers. They stoned St. Stephen. They'd thrown the first bishop of Jerusalem, St. James, off the temple and beat him to death where he lay with the clubs. They persecuted St. Paul. Not only had they ignored our Lord and his resurrection, but they even ignored other men who were alive right at this time and had been living among them that had risen from the dead on Easter as well when the tombs were opened. The historical context is 40 years of explicitly rejecting Christ. 40 years of apostasy with murderous perverts roaming through the church and the world. If we spend time pondering these things, most of it's obvious. I'll leave you to do that. Let's just consider two ideas that might not be so obvious. First off, the world of biblical Judaism, the Aaronic priesthood, the Levites, the temple, the bloody sacrifices, that world came to a complete end in 70 AD and it passed away forever. Biblical Judaism is over. There are no biblical Jews anymore. They went extinct in 70 AD. They can't keep the law. The temple's gone. The genealogical records, which are absolutely necessary for a priest to be able to prove his descent on both his mother's side and his father's side, to prove validity of his priesthood, those records were burnt by Titus. Oh, sure, in the times of the Antichrist, a fake, completely invalid, offensive to God, diabolical, pseudo-Old Testament priesthood will somehow be resurrected. 
who knows, maybe they'll claim genealogical proof using Y chromosomes or something, we don't know. But it's over. The Old Covenant is absolutely null and void. It's a closed book. A marriage lasts till death do us part. In the Old Covenant, the groom died when he was nailed to the cross. And then, that's the end of the marital relationship between God and the people of Israel. And then just to make sure that no one could possibly be misunderstood or confused by this in any way, 40 years later, in 70 AD, the first wife is put to death for her sins. Biblical Judaism is completely and eternally extinct. But the good news, the gospel, is that the groom has risen. And he's got a new and eternal covenant in his blood with a new internal bride, the Catholic Church. No longer is the covenant between God and people limited to one ethnic group. It's Catholic. It's universal. It's for all men, no matter who they're descended from. The Catholic Church, and only the Catholic Church, is the bride. God is not a polygamist. Judaism today leads to exactly the same place it led to in 70 A.D. That's the first point. Second point, our Lord told those who believed in him what they needed to do to get to that time of great desolation. He's done the same thing for us in this strange historical period. He sent his mother down from Fatima to tell us what we need to do to get safely through the great desolation we live in. Just as those Catholics made it through by taking the Lord seriously and obeying him, the legions run away to think we're safe. No, they left. God said, leave, they left. We'll make it through by obeying Our Lady, saying our rosary every day, wearing our brown scapula, okay? Living the message of